not, this would work. You'll, um, I'm quite pleased this morning because I'm not wearing the thing that goes around your head and I'm thinking, oh, this is good. Um, just wanted to mention a couple of things before I kick off. And actually, the first thing I put up, um, I did without knowing that the Redditch guys were going to be here, but uh, you may or may not be aware that um, some of us have been popping along to support King's Church Redditch, which is a, uh, oh, okay, I, let's, let's just mention that. Some of us have been popping along to support King's Church Redditch. Oh, you could have done a bit better than that, but never mind. Um, and uh, Gordon and I are kind of undertaking to go over quite regularly. So uh, I just thought I would let you know when the next ones are. Because they have some public meetings at Batchley Community Centre on the second Sunday of every month. So I know, did that is, is that going to clash with the baptisms? Okay. Well, Gordon and I are still going to be over there. And if, you, if some of you fancy actually, do you know what? Still fancy going across to help out with the Redditch guys. When I say help out, basically... We're looking for you to be a warm, breathing body who smiles, enjoys worshipping, and might even chat to somebody who walks through the door. If you're happier to serve a cup of tea afterwards as well, you'd be embraced even more warmly. But um, also Sunday the 10th of December. Um, I just mentioned that because, as I have mentioned before, the uh, strap line on the banner talks about New Frontiers as being an international family of churches together on a mission. And we are undertaking together with the guys in Redditch to see a, an expression of church planted there. And so if any of you feel that you would like to come and keep us company, you don't have to think, well, you know, will I be asked to move to Redditch? No. All you're looking to do is to go and support those guys who are laboring in that field. So I just put that up there. If you're interested, I was going to say come and talk to Gordon or me, but actually you could talk to uh, Martin and Sylvia over there. They'll wave at you. Uh, or any of the other guys from Redditch. Wave if you're from Redditch. There we go. Wonderful. Good. The other thing that I just want to quickly mention is this book. It kind of underscores a bit of uh, what I'm going to say today. Uh, I haven't directly cribbed any of it, but you'll just find it very, very helpful. Uh, I've known Chris for quite a while. Um, had breakfast with him a couple of weeks ago, not having seen him for a bit. I happened to be down in Southampton, so I uh, kind of arranged to have breakfast with him. And it wasn't that he gave me a copy of this and said, please, will you plug my book? Having arranged to meet him and read the reviews of the book, I sent him a text saying, hey, Chris, could I buy a copy of your book from you, please? So he said, yes, with pleasure. Now, just one slight caveat. You can order it from Amazon... However, Amazon do take a healthy chunk out of the proceeds. If you order it directly from the Life Church Southampton website, they get more money. Now, the reason I say that is not that this is lining Chris's pockets. This is a kind of joint venture with the uh, Commission Sphere of Churches, Life Church Southampton. They've kind of put up the funds to publish it. So any of the profits then can go plow back into the work of the kingdom, which is probably better than going back into the profits for Amazon. I'm making no comments about their tax status whatsoever, allegedly. So, but better in the kingdom of God than in the profits of a corporation, don't you think? So anyway, I, I do endorse that. It's called Equipped. 
Chris Kilby, lifesouthampton.org, equipped by Chris Kilby, and it's about eight quid, something like that. I handed over the cash, but it'll say there um, on the website what it is. There we go. Wonderful. As I mentioned, I've known Chris for a while. Um, some of you will know that I've gone and preached at his Park Life event that's been run by Life Church Southampton. I've told one or two of the stories that have come out of that over, the, uh, over time. You may remember recently I showed the video of James, who was healed. Um, quite a powerful little testimony from James, who was unable to walk more than 50 yards or 50, no, probably more than about 50 feet without the aid of a wheelchair, either motorized or manual, um, received prayer at the meeting and discovered after 300 yards walking across the park that he wasn't using a stick or a chair. Yeah, isn't that good? I wanted to kind of mention um, a story of a guy called Mark, who will appear up there. Now, Mark was a Canadian, well, still is a Canadian. Um, I was going to say was a Canadian. He still is. But uh, it's an interesting story with Mark because Mark was strolling through Palmerston Park one Saturday with guitar case in hand. Now, Mark was an interesting character because the reason he'd come over from Canada, he had one aim in mind. He'd come to find his birth father and beat him up. Didn't care if he ended up going to prison. He wanted to beat him up quite severely. So he came over about a month and a half before we met him with the sole intention of tracking this guy down and beating the living daylights out of him. Strolling through Palmerston Park, he came across a tent with a bunch of Christians worshipping Jesus. And somebody engaged him in conversation and asked him if he'd like to come in. So he went in and for the first time encountered worship. For the first time encountered the preaching of the gospel. It happened to be me, but that's neither here nor there. And after the first session, I ended up having a bit of a chat with him. A couple of other people had chat with him. And the way that park life played out in those days is that we'd do a morning session, a bit of worship, some stories, preaching of the gospel, afternoon session, some stories, some worship, bit of preaching of the gospel, and then the evening session. Uh, Mark, Mark came back for the afternoon session, heard the gospel again, and decided actually following Jesus was probably a better idea than tracking down his birth father and beating the living daylights out of him. So he responded to the gospel. By the evening, he was up the front giving a testimony about how Jesus had changed his life and how he now had peace in his heart and no longer wanted to beat his father up. That's actually quite good. And that photo, by the way, is taken on the Sunday morning because on the Sunday morning they had the church gathering together in the tent, in the park, and they put up an inflatable pool in the bandstand and had baptisms. So that's Mark being baptized on the Sunday morning. And the reason why the other guys are wearing kind of, it, it was raining on the Sunday morning. But anyway, there we go. Now I find that an encouraging story. Don't know about you. It's quite dramatic, 
and you might not be in that place. That might not be your experience. But whatever your experience, if you're here, you have probably either encountered the gospel for yourself or you've come along because someone who has encountered the gospel has invited you along or dragged you along. And I'm not going to ask which of those categories you, you fall into. But I'm going to ask us to look at the word this morning. And I'm going to throw some things out from Luke chapter 8. And we're going to start off at verse 1. This is this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Holy Spirit, we ask you, the one that inspired the recording of this passage for our benefit today, Lord, would you illuminate it to us and would you equip us in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing, and by the way, I, I haven't put a number of teaching points up. Quite simply, I'm not really a teacher. And I would much rather you engage with the Holy Spirit as I preach 
and take away what you feel. Now, it's not to denigrate teachers who put up teaching points, by the way. It's just my gift is, is a little different. And I would just rather that you engage with the Holy Spirit this morning in what he's saying to you. And if that's just one takeaway point, take it away. But as someone once said, whatever he says to you, do it. Because in doing it, you'll be blessed. And I could put up, for example, that the sower was inspired. I could put up that he was intentional. I could put up that he was industrious. I could put up that he was indiscriminate. And those would be very, very good things to draw out. And they're all eyes, so I like a little bit of alliteration. But, aye, aye. Uh, I will touch on those things, but I will just mention at the, the outset that when I finish, I will be slightly indiscriminate because if you're here today and you've never actually come to the point where you've said, Jesus, I would like to follow you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. And it's not that kind of I feel led that kind of there must be somebody here or there might be someone here, but if I'm going to talk about being indiscriminate with the sowing of the gospel, I want to model that and say, guys, I'm quite prepared to stand here in front of you and give you a chance. And if no one responds, hey, I'm cool with that. I don't mind being a prat for Jesus. I don't know, a prat anyway in some ways. But um, first thing I want to draw your attention to is that Jesus had a group of women who were with him. And sometimes we overlook that. It's only recorded in Luke. And it names some of them. And we might think that that's just a throwaway thing, but I think it's very, very significant. It's actually more significant than the fact that they supported him out of their independent means and enabled Jesus to do what he did. Because if you fast forward to the resurrection accounts, it talks about the women who have been with him from Galilee, the women who were there as witnesses of the resurrection, and some of these ladies are named. And you find that there were women who had gathered around Jesus, followed Jesus, they were in on the action with the twelve, and Jesus was more than happy to have them minister to him, minister with him, and minister for him. And I just wanted to throw that out. Because, I mean, a few weeks ago, we heard Richard talking about heroes of the faith, Deborah. And it wasn't that God chose Deborah because there was no man around. I have heard that taught. That God chose Deborah because he couldn't find a man. No, God chose Deborah. And Jesus was more than happy to have these ladies around him. Immediately before that, it talks about how one particular lady came and poured perfume on his feet, wept over his feet, dried his feet with her hair. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, I mean, I am a kind of middle-class British bloke. I would be a bit uncomfortable with that. <laughs> I don't know about you. I would find that intensely embarrassing. 
I would find it intensely embarrassing watching somebody do that to Jesus. Come on, let's get real. It doesn't quite fit with our culture. But Jesus was quite happy to go through the kind of conversation of, Lord, do you really think that's appropriate? Lord, do you know how much you could have sold that perfume for? Because he was happy to have that attention and ministry. And it's interesting. I find this very, very interesting. There's a group of women that Jesus is happy to have minister to him and provide for his needs. They're with him from Galilee. And then at the crucifixion, where are all the men? The big, brave men. Apart from the exception of John, the disciple that Jesus loved, they've scarpered. Who's there with Jesus? Women. They're there. All the men have run off. The women are there. Who are the first ones at the tomb? The women. And they're met by the angel who says, Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And then the angel talks to them as if they were in on the conversation that Jesus said. Don't you remember what he said? The Son of Man had to be given up the sinful men, had to be crucified, and then he would rise again. Go back and tell the men. Little paraphrase. And so off they toddle back to the the men who are hiding. Come on, it's in the book. And they say, he is not there. He has risen. And they go, no, no. Old wives tale, typical, you know, says in Genesis, woman was deceived. No, no, no. I'm elaborating a little bit to prove the point. Eventually, Peter and John ran to the garden and they discover Jesus is not there because he's alive. Seems to me Jesus is quite happy with using women. And my major encouragement this morning is, is about sowing the seed of the gospel because that follows on. But I just wanted to particularly encourage you ladies, women of the kingdom, it's time to take a stand and rise up into your calling and be who God has called you to be. You have permission to do that, but I just really felt from reading this passage, God wanted to affirm you. God wanted to endorse you. And men, stop running away. I bailed out yesterday. Just, I'd like to blame it on the fact that Gordon and I were having a relaxing afternoon at the 
the rugby and that we were involved in a fairly deep discussion. But one of the ex-rugby players came along, stopped by the table and said, you know, he said, I'm having awful trouble with my cartilages and kind of whatever. And I, and I kind of thought I could pray for him and kind of, and I could make excuses. He moved on too quick. I was in a public setting and whatever. But come on, this is an open invitation to my gift mix. And I bailed on it. Now, why do I tell you that? It's because I don't want you to think that I'm some kind of major superhero that goes along and preaches that guys who are carrying guitar cases who want to duff up their fathers, get converted, everything in the garden is rosy, I'm wonderful, come on, step up. Hey, look, you'll probably blow it occasionally, and do you know what? Jesus can handle that. He's all right with that. He'd probably like you to get your courage in both hands, but just occasionally. And I actually wonder whether or not I did that so I could confess to you guys and so that you don't feel so bad when you blow it. Because actually, we're all in the same boat together. We're human. We make mistakes. Jesus is all right with that. But Jesus wants us to kind of move on out, move on up, and up the ante a little bit and see some stuff happen for the kingdom a bit more than we're already doing. So the first thing... It's the sower goes out to sow. And there's a couple of things I want to draw from that. Firstly, the sower is actually an eater. Because it says in the Bible, in a couple of places, that God sends down rain from heaven and snow to nourish the earth. It doesn't return to him without providing seed for the sower, bread for the eater. And actually, most people sow because they know that they can then eat and that they'll have something else to sow. And many of you could identify with that story of Mark this morning because it may be slightly differently, but you are where you are because the gospel has touched you. You're here because God's word has impacted your life and you're here. And you've eaten of the good things of God. And the sower is going out to sow because... He's eaten, and he knows he wants to eat some more. And it says in the Bible, it says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith in order that you may have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. And if you want to understand more of the mysteries and the deep things of God, do you know what? One less teaching tape and one more conversation about Jesus might ground your theology a little bit more. Not that it's wrong to listen to teaching, but just kind of, I throw that out there, just as a... Well, the sower was an, an eater, but also it says he sowed his seed. See, whether or not you had a fairly dramatic conversion experience like our Canadian friend Mark, or whether or not you were brought up in a Christian home, and actually, to be honest, you probably couldn't put a physical date on when you responded to the gospel because your parents did a faithful job of praying for you and bringing you up and really in a sense you know you kind of have known Jesus since you were knee-high to a grasshopper or whether you're somewhere in between there is an experience of the power and the love and the grace of God that you along with Paul you can say my gospel because it's not that Paul's gospel was dramatically different from Peter's gospel or from Thomas's gospel 
or that kind of it's not about that Paul was a raving Calvinist and Peter was a an Arminian it's about the fact that they had each tasted of the grace and the mercy of God that was immensely personal to them they had their story and they could say this is my gospel because I was saved by grace I was saved because I was apprehended by the goodness of God this is my gospel I've tasted and I've seen that God is good and do you know what I want to spread that love around a little bit I just want to share the love so it says that the sower went out into the field I just wanted to kind of ask the question this morning what's your field and I'm not it's kind of part rhetorical but it's part not and I'm not necessarily looking for kind of hands up but I'd like you just to reflect on that for a moment it actually might not be your workplace so much because your workplace is not where you go to looking to share the gospel every hour of every day your, your workplace is where you go to work believe it or not and we need to jump the whole concept to think of, well I've got to witness to people no in fact if I had my way I would ban the use of the word I witnessed to someone firstly I think it's bad grammar but secondly I think it's bad theology because Jesus said you will be my witnesses and whether you say anything or not by the way you live your life you are a witness the trouble is is that some Christians have seen they're such bad witnesses it totally undermines any verbal testimony they give let's not do that and so you're only smiling because you know it's true you've met them I'm not having a dig but we're called to live because Paul said we are like living letters because when God wants to reach people with his love and his grace and his mercy he thinks do you know what I'm gonna send insert your own name there because by their life and by the fact that they're there it says we carry fragrance now by that I don't mean that we flog aftershave on the cheek but it said we are the fragrance of Christ now to some that means we're the smell of death but to others we're the smell of life but where we have opportunity we need to throw a little seed out because otherwise we just run the risk of seeming a bit different guy that I knew at university sat down in the refectory to have a sandwich and somebody came up and sat opposite me and said you know what I've noticed you and he kind of thought oh hello by the way the, the guy was a Christian and the guy that said I've noticed you wasn't I thought could be good here could share my faith and he said there's something different about you and he kind of thought yeah this is it this is where I get to share my faith and he said you're vegetarian because <laughs> the thing is is that if we just live differently and don't kind of give a reason for the hope that we have we're sowing some good seed but we also need to give a little bit of a a verbal account because as Paul says how will they know unless someone tells them you see I could have come and worn my best golf outfit today and some of you will have said oh you're playing after but you probably couldn't conclude that I play golf well you certainly wouldn't conclude from my athletic physique 
But the thing is, unless I tell you, you don't know that golf is a fairly major passion of mine. However, if you get into conversation with me and you don't kind of think suddenly, he's talking about golf again. That's my wife. Um, she says that. But I'm allowed to come back home with one golf comment. That's it. But the fact is, is that I share about golf and nobody goes like, oh dear, he plays golf. Oh, but actually some of you might. And to be truthful, you share your faith. So you might get that reaction a little bit. But you might also get some people who are remotely interested. And the trouble is, we don't know. Which is why the sower goes out and he sows indiscriminately. And it says that some falls on the path. And the birds come and eat it up. And you may well have got discouraged, because the trouble is, I can share a testimony like Mark's story, and part of you is encouraged, but part of you is discouraged, because you think it's really, really good. But do you know what? I try and share my faith, and it's like a disaster area. And do you know what? Other people see fruit, and I'm banging my head up against a brick wall. And I invited somebody to Alpha once, and they said yes, and then they changed their mind. And you may well have had that, where you share something with somebody, and something looks like it's happened, and then it's not happening anymore. Perhaps somebody came along and going, well, you're going to a baptism? What? What do you want to go and do that for? You're going to Alpha. Don't you know what happens at Alpha? It's really weird. There's, the, there's these silly, happy, clappy people. See, what's happened there? The birds have come. The evil ones come along and taken the seed away. The birds. The thing is, Jesus said that would happen. And it's easy to become, because we're very performance-orientated in our society, aren't we? And sometimes rightly so, because of the kind of occupations we're in. But we can feel a bit under pressure because we're not seeing the results and this isn't happening and that's not happening. The thing is, Jesus said, it would happen. The birds would take some. The trouble is, we can get fixated on the birds. Let's organize a prayer meeting to pray against the birds. Let's campaign against the birds. Let's do what... The trouble is, you get fixated on the birds, what do you do? You take your attention off the field. You leave the field. You forget about sowing. You're so anti-bird. You're not focusing on chucking out more seed. And you're thinking, yeah, but kind of, am I going with God's leading? Or what happens if I'm... I mean, somebody once asked C.H. Spurgeon, what if one of the unelect gets converted? They said, God will forgive you. That's a bit of a theological comment, but kind of, some of you thought that was funny. So, my encouragement to you, because we don't know who God is working on, and sometimes it's just, there's this pressure that perhaps we should, that somehow we should be super-duper Christians, our antenna's working. We can see, because Jesus saw where the Father was working, that kind of, we know where the Father's working, so therefore, actually, the, Jesus says, look, the sower goes out and he sows indiscriminately. Some seed is going to fall on the path and the birds are going to take it away. It's going to happen. I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to encourage you. It's a tragedy, 
but it happens and Jesus said it would happen. Let's sow indiscriminately. If you're a Calvinist, sow indiscriminately so that some of the seed might fall on one of the elect. You just don't know who they are. To the Arminians amongst you, sow some indiscriminate seed so that somebody can decide to follow Jesus. And if you're clueless, you're thinking, I don't know whether I'm a Calvinist or an Arminian, just sow some seed because Jesus is alive. He is not dead, he is risen, and the gospel is powerful and it's effective, and it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I am so grateful that someone shared the gospel with me. Do you know what? I'm not that concerned about how many disappointments, discouragements, and people that mock them in their face. I am glad that they kept on going and told me that I could follow Jesus because it has changed my life. I have a wonderful wife. I have kids that follow Jesus. They have partners who love Jesus and they're raising children. That's an inheritance. And it's the grace of God because in the economy of God, somebody decided that they were going to share their faith with me. And I am grateful. And I would suggest that every single one of you is grateful. Because whatever tragedy that you had to go through to hear that gospel, whatever pressure, whatever persecution, or whatever it was that caused you to be able to come into a relationship with God, you would probably look back and say, do you know what? It's worth it. Because God is good. And it's good to know God. And do you know what? Because I've tasted, I want to give that away a little bit. Because Jesus said, do you know what? You've received freely. Freely give. Freely give. And the trouble is sometimes we can be so fixated on doing good and being good, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of sowing seed that we sometimes forget to be a bit intentional about telling people and praying for the opportunities. Because the other thing that Jesus said is sometimes people will respond and they will fall away. Isn't that discouraging? You invest your life, you invest your heart, you invest your prayer, you invest your time, you invest your coffee, you invest your best hours of your day, sometimes to share with somebody and they respond and you think, yes, and then either something bad happens to them or something good happens to them. And do you know what? Nowhere to be seen. I don't say that to discourage you. Because do you know what? Jesus said it would happen. Some will fall away. And so often we think, must be me. I couldn't have shared the gospel that well. Or perhaps I wasn't faithful in following up. Or perhaps I, wasn't, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Well, okay, look. If there's things that we could have done differently and we know we blew it, well, okay, let's put that right. But sometimes people fall away. It's terrible, but it's true. And do you know what? Jesus said it would happen. Let's not blame the elders. Let's not blame our group leaders. 
let's not blame someone down the road because they sing off key in your worship. Jesus said it would happen. Some people fall away. Wish they didn't. Good news is some of them come back. How good is that? Anybody here? For, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. Anybody here fallen away anytime? You don't have to put your hand up. Do you know what? God loves prodigals. When you turn up back at God's door and say, God, I think I've been a total prat. Does he say, so look, I don't condemn you. Welcome back. Welcome back. God's a good God. I sometimes get a bit troubled by, I read sometimes on social media that people put, you know, this thing happened to me. It was good. God is good. Look, God is good anyway. Sometimes, bad, look, you might be here today and you might be going through a tough time. Bad things happen to good people. God is still good all the time. But I, I, I loved being in Uganda last year. I mean, it might be the particular branch of the church that I was in, but, you know, kind of you, you stand up there and it's almost expected that you do, God is good, and they shout back all the time. And you say, all the time, God is good. And then they go, and I was taken aback by this one because I wasn't expecting it. They go, for that is his nature. Wow. Ooh, I like that. Because the thing is, God is good all the time. We might not experience good things all the time, but God is good all the time. And we've got some good news about a good God and a good Savior. But rather than focus on the fact that there are problems, which actually Jesus said there were, and the problem, by the way, is not with the seed. It's good seed. Jesus said the problem is with the soil. Sometimes you can share the gospel effectively and well, and the soil is not good. And people's hearts are not open. It's disappointing. The trouble is we kind of have to press through that disappointment a little bit because otherwise we shrink back. And we can think, do you know what? I'm just going to go with friendship evangelism a bit and just kind of be, be friendly. But I'm really, really, really asking you this morning, in the grace of God, let's be a little bit more intentional about going away. Let's pray for some opportunities to sow some seed. Let's do it indiscriminately. Let's do it prolifically. And yes, sometimes it's going to go well, and sometimes it's not. But the, fa the fact is, is that Jesus closed by saying, look, there is good soil out there. There are people like Mark who got saved from goodness knows what and going to beat up his birth father. There are people like you who in wherever you were and whatever you were doing, God laid hold of you. But he didn't just lay hold of you because he wanted to rescue you. He laid hold of you because he's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. And he wanted you to be involved in ministering to him, ministering with him, and ministering for him. Because he's got a commission for you. And the fact is, Jesus says that there is good soil out there 
And what Jesus then says is that, and in the other accounts, it says some tenfold, some thirtyfold, some a hundredfold. If that was in the Jordan Valley, that would be kind of expected. But in Galilee, that would be an incredible harvest. And sometimes we can think, well, yeah, okay, if we were in a another place, we would see a harvest. But you know what? It's hard. You don't know how hard it is where I live. You don't know how hard it is where I work. You don't know how hard it is. Well, actually, the thing is, Jesus said, sometimes it will be hard. Sometimes the seed will fall on the path. Sometimes it will fall on and be stifled by the thistles and the thorns. But he said, you know what? There is some good soil out there. We don't always know where it is. What I would like to encourage you to do as I close, I'm going to ask us just to pray and reflect together for a moment. And I'm going to do two things. Firstly, I'm going to just ask you just to be still before the Lord for a moment and just say, Lord, who can I pray for? Who would you like to stir me to pray for? And Lord, I'd like to be a little bit bold in having opportunities. Because I want to just ask you, are you still intentional about praying for opportunities to share the gospel? Now, I'm not saying that to condemn you or put you down. But I suspect that some of you aren't probably as active in doing that as you used to be. And, you know, little, little chivvy up every now and again. It's not a bad thing. Jesus isn't condemning you. But he's saying, come on. Let's have a bit of an adventure. If you want to see salvation, you've got to sow the seed of the gospel. It's good seed. And there's some good soil out there. So let's just take just a moment. You just do some business with God. And it might well be that you want to say, do you know what? Jesus, I want you to use me. Would you give me an opportunity this week? Would you give me some opportunity? not saying this to put any pressure on you, but let's get involved in an adventure with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give us just one moment, then I'm going to make a closing appeal. And just while people are still praying, I just very simply want to say this. I said the gospel is indiscriminate. There may be no one here, or there may be somebody here. But if you're here today, and you've never consciously taken a step of saying, do you know what? Jesus, I want to follow you. And the key in that is when Jesus says, follow me. You think, well, where to? It's, well, no, you follow me. You abdicate the decision-making process and you follow me. By that, I don't mean that you can't stand in the coffee queue next Sunday for 20 minutes thinking, God, am I going to have tea or am I going to have coffee? But you surrender the big purpose of your life over to the hand of God who created you for a purpose. And if you are here today and you have never taken that step of following, saying to Jesus, I want to follow you, I just want to give you the opportunity of sticking your hand up in the air and saying, do you know what, today I want to follow Jesus. 
And it might be a bit embarrassing, but I just want to remind you that Jesus was hung naked on a cross up in the air and he endured the shame so that you could know him. It's not to mess with your emotions. That's just to say Jesus endured the cross so that you could come into life. I'm not going to prolong that because there might not be anybody here. It's fine. Just wanted to indiscriminately say and give people a chance. If there's anybody here, please wave at me. If there's not, we are done. Thank you and God bless you. Great, thanks everyone. Feel free not to rush off, just enjoy each other's company and let's try and spread some seeds as and when throughout the week. God bless, thank you.